Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered all throughout July with all the odds, props, promos, and parlays for baseball, WNBA, MMA, boxing, and more. Use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. That's the whole purpose of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever you so choose, however and whenever many times you wish to choose. Thanks for stopping in today. It's a lovely Monday July 31st, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we still appreciate you stopping in however and whenever you might be listening. It's been a little bit of a hiatus. We've been gone for a few days. We dropped a Wired Up yesterday talking about Max Scherzer and Major League Baseball. And since we've been deep in the baseball world for a few days now, let's get into the swing of things with NFL training camp talk. We've got a great, great show coming at you today. It's that time of year where NFL contracts all start to get worked out because we're starting training camps and everyone wants to have these deals resolved before training camp. So if you didn't sign an extension back in in March, now we're at the end of July and your extensions can officially go into effect right before NFL opening weekend where we will have wall-to-wall coverage of training camp and all that BS that I don't care about because I am learning to have a healthier relationship with football in my life. But there were a whole bunch of interesting contract extensions and a whole bunch of franchise tag stuff that didn't get resolved for the running backs section of this show because we kind of had fun laughing at this wild situation with Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard and Austin Eckler and running backs trying to unionize within their union. For more on that, stay tuned to the end of the show where Juju Talk Sports is going to join the show and we're going to chat about the running back market in the NFL, which by the way, if you want to see that video that Juju and I did, you can check it out on YouTube with the link in the description of this episode if you want to see our beautiful faces and want to see me wearing my Oakland Athletics Cell t-shirt that we were rocking at the Unite the Bay reverse boycott or protest on Tuesday night. If you want to see my incredible Cell t-shirt and 
Uh, maybe that'll inspire you to go back and listen to Wednesday's episode of the show where we talked about the Oakland A's reverse boycott. If you want to see my beautiful face and my beautiful cell t-shirt, YouTube is the place to do that. But there were a whole bunch of contract extensions that got signed. Uh, I mentioned Saquon Barkley, and we're going to do like a full deep dive into Saquon Barkley as part of the episode that we do on running backs because what's really interesting about the Saquon Barkley situation is Saquon is the one that the resolution wasn't as set in stone. Now, obviously, he ended up signing a one-year extension with the Giants. He can get franchise tagged again at the end of next year. He got a slight pay increase to avoid playing on the franchise tag or waiting out training camp. They paid him an extra million dollars, plus added a couple million in incentives to his contract and that was kind of the resolution they came to but we talk about how like the other running back situations were a little bit more solid and concrete between Tony Pollard and Austin Eckler and Josh Jacobs which my entire conclusion on Josh Jacobs is do whatever the fuck you want man the Raiders are gonna fuck it up anyways so just do whatever the hell you want Josh Jacobs But the Giants as a team are in a really interesting position right now outside of Saquon Barkley because, look, man, we've been laughing at the Giants for years on this podcast. They have been one of those teams that are perfect to start beef with because the fan base has a higher plateau of expectations than what reality is for the New York Giants. I've joked for now a couple years I would like to welcome the Giants to another decade of mediocrity. Because since the last time the Giants won the Super Bowl, they went 10 seasons without winning a playoff game. And granted, they won a playoff game last year and an absolute bullshit victory by Daniel Jones against that Minnesota Vikings team that we all knew was terrible, but someone had to win the NFC North and there were only two and a half good teams in the NFC last year. So someone had to make it to the second round of the playoffs. And congratulations to you, New York Giants. You were the team that got there. But the New York Giants have been known for making really, really, really bad decisions. And it looked like they had made a whole bunch of really, really bad decisions for years until they got a new general manager, they got a new head coach, and those draft picks that Dave Gettleman made, which all looked like they were awful. Even drafting Saquon Barkley, because the alternative option for that pick was draft Josh Allen, number two overall. That was the name that was being floated around to the Giants at number two. They could have taken Josh Allen, had a quarterback of the future, but remember, New York Giants fans booed Geno Smith off the field and got Ben McAdoo fired for being right about the fact that Eli Manning was washed and that Geno Smith deserved a chance to try and be the starting quarterback of the future for the New York Giants. Ben McAdoo was absolutely correct, and Giants fans forced him out and forced Eli Manning to be their quarterback for an extra season and a half until Daniel Jones finally took over in 2019, played absolutely mediocre football for three seasons. They declined his fifth-year option, which would have been for $20 million this year, so that Daniel Jones could then play above average in 2022, most of it being because they maximized his running potential behind a left tackle named Andrew Thomas, who admittedly was looking like a bust when he was picked fourth overall 
in the 2020 NFL draft. Why? Because he was picked ahead of Justin Herbert. He was picked ahead of Isaiah Simmons. He was picked ahead of three other left tackles that looked like they were going to be better than Andrew Thomas. We're talking Jedrick Wills, who made Pro Bowl in his first year with the Browns. We're talking about Trent Wirfs, who was all pro his first year as the left tackle or the right tackle for Tom Brady when they won the Super Bowl. And Mekhi Becton, who had a great rookie season. And since then, Mekhi Becton has done nothing in the NFL. Uh, he's had a couple big injuries. Uh, Jedrick Wills hasn't been as impressive as he was his rookie year. And Andrew Thomas became one of the best blocking left tackles in the NFL. And he got today, Wednesday, or tomorrow, when you might be listening to this, he got a record-setting $130 million extension after his third season to stay with the New York Giants, a record-setting guaranteed amount of money for a tackle. He is one of the best tackles in the NFL. All of the advanced analytics backed it up, and it helped make Daniel Jones go from a guy the Giants were ready to move off of when they got rid of Joe Judge, they got rid of Dave Gettleman, they kept Daniel Jones for one season as a bridge until they could get their Will Levis or their Anthony Richardson, and then they fucked around, won nine games, beat the Vikings in the playoffs, and then gave Daniel Jones $160 million while also giving Andrew Thomas $130 million. And this core of a left tackle and a quarterback, both of whom they were ready to move off of a year ago, now are looking like franchise cornerstones for the Giants. Meanwhile, Saquon Barkley, the guy who until a year ago we assumed was the franchise cornerstone for the New York Giants, the former number two pick in the draft, the only one of the Dave Gettleman draft picks that actually was worth a damn, Saquon Barkley doesn't get his contract extension, Daniel Jones and Andrew Thomas do, the Andrew Thomas one justifiable, he was one of the best left tackles in the NFL in year two, or sorry, in year three, after being Terrible in year one, above average in year two, and now in year three, one of the top, I think he was ranked fourth in added value according to uh, football outsiders among left tackles. One of the five best left tackles in the NFL. And was drafted fourth overall in the draft to eventually be a guy who they gave record-setting offensive lineman money to. And they ultimately just gave him that extension. They gave Daniel Jones the extension in March while not giving Saquon Barkley a contract. And if I were just to judge based on the New York Giants history, I'm going to say this one probably not going to work out great. Probably not going to work out the way that they had intended. However, I'm just doing that completely based on reputation. I have no idea if the New York Giants are going to be able to pull this one off. I have no idea if Daniel Jones playing behind Andrew Thomas because of what his running style and ability brings to the table, like people finally realized, and maybe Dayball realized this more than Joe Judge in terms of building out an offense. Hey, if we have Daniel Jones operate as a run uh, a quarterback who's moving out of the pocket on 30 to 40 percent of our of our play calls by design like not just oh the play is broken down and now Daniel Jones is running it's Daniel Jones is rolling to his left as part of the play call and he has a run pass option now where he can keep it and go to his left depending on what he's seeing or he can throw to one of our generic receivers or throw it to Saquon Barkley or next season throw it to Darren Waller and that will be how we we 
maximize our offense with a quarterback with limited throwing capabilities, but also unique rushing capabilities. And they're now stuck with Daniel Jones. They want to be stuck with Andrew Thomas. This is the core. This is the foundation of their team. And everything that they build around those foundational pieces that in about a year are going to be making about as much on their salary cap relative to Patrick Mahomes and insert high paid offensive lineman, call it Joe Tooney, call it Jawan Taylor, like are going to be making as much as Patrick Mahomes and Jawan Taylor in a year. If those are the foundational pieces for the Giants, how they kind of build around those two is going to be really interesting to watch because... I don't know exactly how this one is going to play out for the New York Giants in the event that they, for example, flip Kadarius Tony for for Darren Waller, because that's basically the trade that they just made. I don't know how adding Darren Waller is going to change the way they run that offense. I don't know how bringing an interchangeable running back besides Saquon Barkley into that offense is going to change what they do. How important is having that Saquon Barkley rushing threat to what they do when they get Daniel Jones working to his left? How much of the day ball schemes are going to work if, say, you don't have the same uh, right tackle or the same right guard or the same center in, in continuity for an entire season. I'm really interested to see what they end up doing with that. And I hate that I'm really interested to see what they end up doing with it because I had written off Daniel Jones in October of 2021. We did a whole podcast after week six of the New York Giants season saying this whole thing is a failure, okay? Gettleman's going to be gone. Judge is going to be gone. Daniel Jones is going to be gone. They're going to tear this thing to the ground. They're going to bring in a new quarterback. They're probably going to bring in a new running back. They're probably going to trade some of those draft picks that didn't work out the way they did, and they were going to be the NFC Las Vegas Raiders for the next couple of years, which it's fitting that they ended up trading for Darren Waller because the Giants right now are basically NFC Las Vegas Raiders, which is when you fuck up that many top draft picks and fuck up that many free agent signings, eventually it's going to come back to bite you. And instead of having it come back to bite you and them falling on the sword and tanking for a season like the Raiders are about to do this year, the New York Giants have basically said, we're going to double down on Daniel Jones. We're going to double down on Andrew Thomas. We're going to bring back Saquon Barkley, and we're going to try this thing again, despite the fact that we were 9-7-1 and on the season and were the luckiest team in the NFL in one-score games, not named the Minnesota Vikings. And we saw it in the playoffs last year. This is a super limited offense when faced against a defense that can apply pressure with five, which again, most teams can blitz and apply pressure with five. When you have a defense like the Philadelphia Eagles, which just has a really good edge rusher and the ability to pass rush with five because you have a really good edge rusher like Hassan Reddick, they absolutely fucking picked apart the New York Giants. And so the New York Giants are doubling down on a team that probably overachieved last year by making it to the second round of the playoffs. And power to them for making it to the second round of the playoffs. Like not I didn't think the Giants were going to win a playoff game for another 10 years and they did it last year. All the credit in the world to them. That is the ceiling that that team is going to achieve. All the power to them. It's just interesting strategy to see them doubling down on it with everyone in that offense that was not super remarkable last year but showed better signs of life in year one of Brian Dayball than they did in any of the three years with Joe Judge and Pat Shermer. And again, that's a really low fucking bar to hit. Pat Shermer and Joe Judge. 
didn't get as much out of it as your team did. That's a really low bar of mixing the ingredients, especially when Daniel Jones and Andrew Thomas are about to get a hundred and sixty and a hundred and thirty million dollars between the two of them over the next five years, which again equals out to roughly about the same salary cap percentage as Patrick Mahomes and Jawan Taylor or Patrick Mahomes and Joe Tooney or as it was last year Patrick Mahomes and Orlando Brown although obviously Orlando Brown doesn't play for Kansas City anymore so like I said I think last year's the ceiling for the New York Giants I feel pretty confident in saying that but I'm still interested to see how they piece this whole thing together going into next season and the reason I'm interested in this is because last year I made it a point to say I did not watch basically any New York Giants football last year. And so now I'm a little bit curious at what this New York Giants team is going to look like. Just a little teensy-weensy bit curious. The only time I saw the Giants last year was when they popped up on the red zone until those two playoff games they played against the Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles and now that both of those results went about the way I had expected them to other than Daniel Jones having this incredible playoff game against the Vikings that I wasn't ready for now that the Giants now that I've seen the Giants I've gotten a taste of what this new Giants offense looks like and what these new Giants with better players on offense looks like now I'm curious to see how they mix the ingredients together and so I will probably go out of my way to watch a New York Giants game if perhaps it's on the afternoon block of a red zone that only has three games or maybe a Monday night football game like when they played the Cowboys last year. Maybe instead of skipping that game, I'll sit down and watch that New York Giant football game. Who knows? I'm just curious to see how they mix all the ingredients together, even if I know the end result isn't going to be a massive leap year over year from what they did last year. I'm still curious to see how they piece the ingredients together. One of those ingredients is Saquon Barkley, and he is leading the charge on a very interesting conversation around the running back position. So now let's welcome in our friend Juju Talks Sports from the Slump Buster podcast and YouTube channels to uh, chat a little bit about that running back position conundrum, including Saquon Barkley. Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York These vagabond shoes Are longing to stray Right through the very heart of it New York, New York A lot of drama right now at the running back position. We still have some controversy between Saquon Barkley and the Giants, Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. Uh, some premier running backs still remain unsigned at the moment. Kareem Hunt, Delvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott. We have Austin Eckler's trade demands just being ignored outright by the Chargers. Kyle, what do you make of all this controversy drama right now at the running back position? The Austin Eckler one, I thought someone was going to take on Austin Eckler, like in a trade potential for 
uh, I don't know, call it the the Bears maybe would be interested. Uh, maybe someone like the Jets. I would have gone for him as a potential running back to pair alongside Brees Hall. I thought someone was going to get in on the Austin Eckler game and nobody did. Uh, but then I found out that Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley aren't even getting the long-term extensions they're looking for. And if those two aren't going to get extensions, oh, buddy, Austin Eckler, there are not enough uh, there are not enough spots in the musical chairs of running backs for you to get a top uh, running back contract. So, yeah, I, I'm just really surprised that the New York Giants have decided that they would rather Daniel Jones get $40 million than Saquon Barkley get $15 million. I am shocked that they have made that call. That's the one where I'm like, oh, you guys are just doing this wrong. But from the Jacobs standpoint, from the Austin Eckler standpoint, uh, Jonathan Taylor, I know, is eligible for an extension this year, and he didn't get one. Like, if you're looking at it from that standpoint, I'm surprised that the running backs are continuing to get devalued. And uh, it starts to make me ask, is this a byproduct of organization or is this a byproduct of the league-wide trend? Because these are three of the six best running backs in the NFL. And if even they can't get some sort of, not even long-term extension, even a two or three-year extension that the team can get out of after one year, like I don't know what that is going to look like come next year when Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and Austin Eckler are all free agents. Well, I, from my understanding on the Saquon situation in particular, it's all based around more or less his third year because the Giants want to guarantee, I guess, the first two years at like $28 million. I've heard that number thrown around. So $14 million a pop for the first two years. But that third year seems to be the breaking point for them. Eighth year of Saquon Barkley. We know the guy's had an injury history in his NFL career. You said you think the Giants situation befuddles you the most, but do you think they mishandled it more than the Josh Jacobs situation? Because Josh Jacobs, his thing is weirder because they turned down his fifth year option just last year, and now they're paying the price for it. Which, by the way, the Giants did the same thing with Daniel Jones. They turned down his fifth year option and then gave him $40 million a year for four years after that, which is ridiculous that they made that decision. No one was going to pay that much money for Daniel Jones. Giants well, a year ago, they probably didn't even think they'd pay $18 million for Daniel Jones. Nope. No, they did not. And Brian Dayball did not sign up for that job to pay Daniel Jones $40 million and not re-sign Saquon Barkley. And if Dayball did sign up for that job to make that decision. Buddy, you should have held out for a better job because uh, that is, you could have had any job you wanted in the league, Dayball. The Dolphins wanted to interview you. You turned down an interview with the Dolphins because you wanted to coach Daniel Jones for four years of your first head coaching job. So yeah, I mean, congrats to them. They won a playoff game and whatever, but they're still the Giants. I mean, last year they were nine, six and one, and there were only three good teams in the NFC. So Someone had to win a playoff game and it happened to be them because Daniel Jones had the game of his life in the playoffs and Isaiah Rogers had a hundred receiving yards in a playoff game against the terrible Vikings defense. <laughs> but the Giants this year are probably going to regress to the mean and it's just going to be really interesting to see how much Saquon is a part of it, whether Saquon protects his value. Like I have no idea what comes next in the Saquon Barkley situation with the Giants. Yeah. But from the Raiders standpoint, that one's a little bit more understandable because the Raiders don't see Josh Jacobs as part of their long-term future. And yeah. he was a Mayox drafty. He was a Gruden drafty. They, mm -hmm. they made it a point to purge the locker room of 
anyone that had anything to do with that previous administration. Yeah, they don't see. I mean, Jacobs last year just had this incredible season. I remember the stat they showed on a broadcast where Jacobs and Devontae Adams made up like over 60% of their offense. And it was the highest total between two players of any football team in, I want to say the last like 20 years or something like that. And which was weird because remember the whole thing about them the year that they miraculously made the playoffs when John Gruden got fired was, oh, look at Renfro, look at Waller, look at all these people who have, you know, these unsung players in the receiving core who have come out of nowhere and are supporting Derek Carr. No, they just made it Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams offense. The defense was terrible. They went six and 11 and they'll probably go six and 11 again this year. So I don't know what the game plan is for the Raiders because I don't think like I could understand them not giving him an extension because I don't think they view Josh Jacobs as part of their long term future. And I thought there was a possibility he was going to get traded before we got to this point. Like they franchise tagged him, I thought to trade him. And now they're going to franchise tag him just to keep him around for a transition year with Garoppolo. And I just don't know what the Raiders are doing with well, that one. Well, what are you going to do, too? Because who's trading for running backs? If you, people aren't even signing available free agent running backs that are of Josh Jacobs tier, then who's trading for one? Like, I, I appreciate Josh Jacobs. And certainly he made big strides in the receiving game, which was kind of always a hole for him when Gruden and a company were around. However, like, you know, the difference between him and Saquon, like you would say Saquon's a more valuable player because what he contributes in the passing game. Yeah, like I, I feel like Josh Jacobs kind of more easily replaceable. And that's part of the problem, right? That's part of why the running backs find themselves in this position. The replaceability, the fact that every year we get a six round running back that comes in or a Kyle Shanahan makes an undrafted rookie his star running back for the season. It's odd to look at the situation in San Francisco now with when you have Christian McCaffrey, it shows you what you could do if you have a superstar running back. However, the fact that Alfred Morris's of the world come out and put up thousand yard seasons makes this all that more convoluted. Yeah. And I understand that from the people who are in the middle class of running backs. It's just now, and, and that's happening for years, right? People have said the running back position is devalued. Nobody's drafting running backs in the first round anymore. Like people have been saying that part for years. It's just now it's the top, top running backs. It's like, now you have to be even Christian McCaffrey to get a contract. And even Christian McCaffrey just got traded by the Carolina Panthers. So now it's even the top end running backs aren't worth it because we know that by age 27, they're going to, run out of gas and the only running backs that are worth paying big money to are the ones who are these all-time ridiculously great talents which at this point is basically just Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey right there's there's no other running back I can think of that has gotten a long-term contract and the team is saying you know what we did okay in this one because I just hell (laughs) even Christian McCaffrey people would say during the first couple years of that contract they were not doing okay up, up until the point he got traded, the injury riddled. And that's, again, part of the equation here. Like the fact that running back position is one of the most taxing and injury prone positions on the field. I, I don't know the exact fix for this situation moving forward. Yeah. And uh, you made a great point when we were coming on the broadcast, which is running backs are like trying to unionize within their own union at this point because they are getting so screwed. Austin Eckler is setting up a Zoom meeting with all the running backs who 
basically as soon as Jacobs and Saquon Barkley didn't, and Tony Pollard too, let's throw Tony Pollard in this group also. Once those guys didn't get their extensions, basically they were like, all right, we're all just going to voice our displeasures right now. Derek Henry was coming out. Christian McCaffrey was coming out and saying it. Austin Eckler, who's been trying to get traded from the Chargers for months now and can't find a team willing to meet his price tag. Uh, it's just crazy that running backs at this point, even the top end ones are walking away from the negotiating table, just absolutely confounded by how the running back market is basically saying you're not going to get any contract longer than two years because of how the rookie contracts are set up. This is, there's just no team that's going to sign up for that, which I guess you could always say the Cowboys would be willing to spend money on a running back, but even they're not spending money on Tony Pollard at this point. So I just, I don't know what the game plan is here for those guys. Cause I don't know what's going to happen when Saquon, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard and Austin Eckler all hit free agency at the exact same time. Cause they're going to cannibalize each other's market that way too. Cause there's only going to be two or three teams interested in a high priced running back. And there's too many of them on the table. So someone's going to have a, a quote unquote Melvin Gordon contract where they just, they feel kind of slighted by the deal that they were offered. And I don't know how to fix that. You're right. Yeah, I mean, the only ideas that like come to mind is do you make like running back contracts shorter coming out of college? You know, like they don't have the same like five years before they get paid kind of situation. Do you limit the amount of franchise tags? But this is all stuff that when you get into the CBA too, the owners also have to agree to it. <laughs> and mm -hmm. where's the incentive for the owners to agree to it at that point, you know? Which is, which is why the franchise tag still exists in the first place. Like the franchise tag was a concession from the, I want to say the 2006 collective bargaining agreement. And the, the players union doesn't like it. They don't want the franchise tag to exist, but it only affects such a small amount of players in the league that they aren't willing to give up the concessions that they would need in order to get rid of the franchise tag. They're saying like, if we get rid of the franchise tag, we have to give up this benefit that we're getting from the owners and the trade-off just hasn't been worth it the last two or three times they've gone to the table. And unfortunately those two or three players who are getting screwed on the franchise tag remarkably all happen to be running backs this time around. I mean, sometimes it's other position groups, yeah. but the reason it's a problem for the running backs is since 2010, the running back franchise tag value has gone down which is crazy. Every other position, it's gone up 50, 60, 70. By the quarterback position, 200%. And then yeah. the running back position, it's gone because, down. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but Le'Veon Bell, because I know a name that gets floated around anytime we get into these hold-in, hold-out situations, will people miss games, is Le'Veon Bell, who sacrificed his franchise tag season, ended up worse for the wearers because when he came back, he was just not the same Le'Veon Bell that we knew prior. He, had, he was about to make $15 million in that season, correct? Something around that number. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. the exact number, but um, it was something like that. And, you you know, you're telling me and reporting's telling me that Saquon and uh, Josh Jacobs would make around 10 million this time around on that. Franchise I believe tag? it's 11 million. I believe it's 11 million. Uh, also, no. Le'Veon Bell was 14.5 million. Though I do think the one difference there is it was also the second time Le'Veon was franchise tag, right? You do get a little bit of a bonus whenever you get franchised for the second time around yes that is correct 
Okay, so it was twelve point one million the first franchise tag. So it was twelve point one million this year. I think it's eleven point five or something like that is the running back franchise tag. Like, what do you do if you're these players specifically this year? Do you do the hold in? Do you miss games because you know you sacrifice game checks that could come out to around five hundred thousand dollars per game you miss. You know, hey, if you miss a whole season, you do risk coming back like Le'Veon Bell. Like that that does exist. We've seen players that miss significant playing time, not just Le'Veon Bell, but hell, you know, think about like even like Deshaun, how he came back last year after his suspension, just not even the player that we knew prior in terms of ability. It, it, missing games can screw you just as much as playing said games. Yeah, so I would say different cases for different people. Uh, Tony Pollard, Play on that franchise tag. You know why? Because Tony Pollard has played four years in the NFL and he has made a grand total of $4 million. He was a fifth round pick by the Cowboys. uh, Sorry, fourth round pick by the Cowboys a few years ago. Play that franchise tag, my friend. Collect your $10 million, which is two and a half times what you've made in your career. Yeah, collect that franchise tag money, Tony Pollard. Go for it. Um, And the Cowboys are probably right to franchise tag Tony Pollard because I don't think of Tony Pollard as a top 10 running back in the league at this point. Maybe I maybe he is now given that like Dalvin Cook and Zeke Elliott are out of the league now. But (laughs) Tony, you know what, Tony Pollard, I don't think of him as a top 10 guy. So you know what, Tony Pollard, play on that franchise tag. Josh Jacobs, do what you want, man. It doesn't matter. The Raiders are going to suck ass anyways. Just do whatever you want, man. You can hold out. You can play whatever to do whatever you want. Josh Jacobs, uh, Saquon Barkley. I don't know how it's going to go, but he's the one where I look at it. I'm like, yeah, I think you might want to hold out on this one. Austin Eckler. I don't know if he can afford to hold out because he's like 28 years old at this point. Like Austin Eckler is its own unique situation at this point. And I don't know how that one's going to play out, but Saquon's the one where I could point to him and say, you can you can afford to sit out. Not only now, can you afford how to sit long? out, you a, might... a game, a month, a year. Depends on what he wants to do. I don't know what the best strategy is right now. And by the way, the best strategy could change. Uh, obviously, the, the, because of the franchise tag rules, he can't negotiate an extension anymore. So he'd have yeah. to wait until the off season. But if you get a wink, wink, nod, nod agreement with the Giants that you're going to get an extension when the season ends. Maybe you come back and play. If you don't, maybe you keep holding out. Maybe you wait until the trade deadline to see if the Giants will trade you. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could go, but Saquon's the one I say you could hold out. Well, uh, you mentioned the wink-wink, nod-nod with the Giants. We also kind of have to analyze what where's the incentive for the Giants to do that. Like Because if the part of the holdup is the third year, then the Giants, in theory, could franchise tag for two years. And then they don't have to worry about that third year either way. Yeah, and then you give him a two-year extension and you're paying him for the third year anyways. But I think that's why they are where they are right now at the negotiating table is that the Giants are willing to risk creating a public mess in order to not lock themselves long-term into Saquon Barkley. And while I don't see the incentive for the Giants to compromise on Saquon Barkley right now, other than him making a public mess and the Giants constantly having to be asked questions about Saquon Barkley, but even that's not that bad of an incentive, right? Like all of the systems are set up to crush labor protests in the NFL or labor holdouts in the NFL. That's why people are doing hold-ins now because they negotiated in the collective bargaining agreement. They're going to fine you if you hold out from training camp. So that's why they do hold-ins now from training camp. It's, 
Although the NFL yeah. has set it up so well to crush labor disputes, and that's kind of the problem for Saquon. Now, hear me out. Like, and what stopped players from doing this even? Like, does Saquon technically even have to miss any time? Couldn't he just show up week one? Ah, one snap, my lower back. It's killing me. Sorry, coach. He, he could, I don't think I can make it could. to this one or next week. Or the following. That would be a new one. That would be a new one where he still gets paid even if he's not playing because he has a a quote unquote injury at this point. That is not a bad idea, but he would have to come to a compromise with the Giants to say, I'm back, I'm ready to play, and you're going to pay me, and I'm also not going to play. I don't know exactly how that one would work, but that would be part of creating a new public mess. I mean, I don't. Maybe, Does he break maybe out the James then, Harden fat suit in a week? <laughs> dude, again, the if this works with NBA superstars. And again, the NFL is not the NBA because a single player doesn't have as much leverage over an organization. Oh, Look at... And it, it, for a running back, too, it's like basically being a Dwight Howard. Yeah. they classic they just do NBA not center. The, they do not have the leverage. And not only do they not have the leverage, the NFL... Owners are a lot stronger as a uh, at crushing the union than the NBA owners are at crushing the NBA union. The NBA has one of the strongest unions anywhere in the country, nonetheless, just sports. So it is going to be hard to crush that union. It is a lot easier to crush the NFL players union. But I mean, Saquon Barkley's best chance is just to make a public mess. It's the way that James Harden got out of multiple places. It's the way Kevin Durant has gotten out of multiple places. You just got to make a public mess and that will maybe create some level of leverage for you. But I mean, his quotes kind of said here. that he could <laughs> his yeah. quotes on the money matters podcast. I could say, fuck the giants. I could say, fuck the teammates. And you know, that is something to think about too, because as much as players like to say, you know, you, we mentioned the unionizing within the union, as much as players say, we got each other's back. We don't check each other's wallets, et cetera, et cetera. There is that human element of, well, I want to win games. I want my career to look good, too. Because the thing about the Le'Veon Bell situation, when the offensive linemen started turning on Le'Veon and you start hearing other player comments start to turn on Le'Veon, because I, even if you, you don't believe it's true, because I don't think you saw the Steelers as a Super Bowl contender that year, the Steelers believe that Le'Veon Bell cost them a Super Bowl by missing that season. And James Conner made a Pro Bowl that year. So that tells you just how much they valued Le'Veon Bell was James Conner made a Pro Bowl and they still felt like Le'Veon Bell cost the team. And that's why, by the way, Tony Pollard's not going to hold out. That's why you you haven't heard a whole lot of Tony Pollard being upset about this one, right? Tony Pollard kind of knew he wasn't going to get the long-term contract and the Cowboys, he's just kind of like, I'll sign the franchise tag. I'll come back for one year. Uh, Tony Pollard's going to come back and play. Austin Eckler's probably at the end of this going to come back and play because he doesn't have the leverage against the Chargers. Josh Jacobs, like I said, Josh Jacobs will probably come back and play, but Josh Jacobs, do whatever the fuck you want. The Raiders are going to suck next year. Their organization is poorly run. Who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. Uh, But Saquon's, that's the one where we know he matters a whole lot to what the Giants are doing. We've seen how that offense transforms when he's not healthy and when he is healthy. Now you can argue Dayball played a factor in that too, and that's obviously fair. And you could say that a healthy Daniel Jones changed the way that the Giants operated, and that's fair too. But we've seen how that offense completely transforms when Saquon Barkley is there and when he's not. So Saquon's the one who has some level of leverage, and it seems like they're not that far apart from each other on the contract negotiations. If he wants to create a public mess, 
by all means go for it. And if he doesn't want to create the public mess and is going to do a hold in or a hold out or hope that he gets traded by the trade deadline, I mean, even if he gets traded at the deadline, they still can't negotiate a long-term extension with him. So I don't know exactly what the move is for Saquon, I think. And this hurts my, my pro labor heart here. Uh, it just looks like Saquon's going to get screwed. <laughs> looks like <laughs> Saquon's going to get screwed on this one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.